0: Okay, Damon, give it to me. You're going to say something about recovery in and outside of twelve-step programs. uh, Yeah. All years.
1: So, do I introduce myself? Yeah. Let's. Okay. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm Damon. I'm alcoholic dad on alcoholic dad four, whatever it is, on Twitter. Uh, Sober coming up four years, six months, in a couple of weeks. Um, Second time around, maybe, maybe third time around. I don't know. The uh, the first time, my experience of uh, of 12-step recovery groups was uh, very brief in as much as uh, I knew I wasn't as bad as those poor people, those unfortunates in that first meeting I went to, because I, I wasn't that bad. And uh, I managed to conduct myself in a dry fashion for seven whole months until someone offered me a beer, which, uh, you know, after seven months of not drinking, of course I'm cured. And uh, I wasn't and within uh, a matter of weeks, I think my uh <clears throat> yeah, my my need to drink was uh w- was overtaken from where I, I first left off. The the amount I could drink and uh the number of opportunities I created to to drink because uh you know I'd excluded myself from many friendship groups and events and lots of different public things that uh I was unable to attend because, you know, I, I was a, a a sober person and, and didn't didn't indulge. And very quickly it was um it it was misery. It was just the loneliness and <clears throat> and rock bottom. Uh, took took another three years to to reach. I think three and a half. I can't remember all of the dates. But um you know from from my first recognition that I I had a drinking problem to uh, to the acceptance that I was. Uh, a rock bottom alcoholic was was um a very slow painful uh, dark and and lonely journey and uh yeah, approaching the um the the first aa meeting i ever went to back in 2019 was uh was a process of humiliation you know everything that i thought i'd never do i did and uh everything that people asked me why why i'd done it i had no answer it's just it was progression towards Yeah, complete confusion, demoralization, deflate everything. You name it, just broken. But the
0: uh, I'm kind of curious, like, what were the thoughts that went through your mind that made you feel like you were disqualified from being an alcoholic or from attending an AA meeting?
1: I didn't. I didn't believe that. uh, At the very end, I didn't believe there was a solution to it. I I honestly felt uh, resigned to, to being uh, a continuous drunk. The, 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 I don't know what happened. I can't remember why I went to an AA meeting or what drew me to it. I can remember my, the, the weekend of my rock bottom. And I, I made the decision to try and find options, alternatives. I didn't truly believe that there was an alternative, but I'd managed to go one one or two days without a drink. Uh, I mean, white knuckling wasn't even close to it. It was a physical, Detox. It was it was quite grim, uh, but the revelation that um, that people in in the room that that I went to, of course, you know, being an arrogant alcoholic, I I went to a meeting twenty miles away just in case anyone recognised me. <laughs> All of that, yeah, and and uh, met some people that that really changed my perception of uh, of why people drink. I, I knew I drank too much, and I knew I couldn't stop, but I didn't know uh, what what drove me to do it, why. It was just such a habit and such a routine and such a, a, daily, uh, a daily occurrence that you know, the, the decision not to drink early in the morning was habitually buying alcohol, but only buying a couple at two, three, four in the afternoon. And then by six in the evening, crawling over broken glass to find a reason to get back to the shop to buy more. Uh, and only when I heard other people, complete strangers, describing how they hid drink how they lied how they everything that we do to to try and continue uh, the drink when it started was was a real eye-opener you know these people are just like me and i'm just like them uh and of course I, I completely overdid it i went to multiple meetings per day uh i tried to memorize the big book i went to big book studies i did meetings and i became almost um almost an AA analyst, you know, everything had to be 12 steps, 12, 12 and 12, learning the page numbers of the book. And I think what really helped me back in the early days was the focus on that, Mm. the focus of of analysis, understanding, application of the steps, following the steps, finding a sponsor. Everything about AA gave me a discipline and a daily structure. And I needed that. I really needed that. Um, But I also had um a family that i was pretty much ignoring because i'd replaced uh drinking with aa and podcasts and step studies and book studies and uh, at the after, after 11 months of uh early sobriety lockdown happened and that was a stinking. i didn't expect that didn't didn't know it was going to happen and turned not only my recovery as such, but it was a meeting-based recovery. It was step-based recovery. It was you know, very um, disciplined and, and almost judgmental towards people that didn't do AA. And uh, yeah, there's um, a group of people. In fact, one one lady from from uh, Dublin, the lady called Sandra Losty, she set up the Recovery Hour meetings uh, March twenty twenty, and uh, my arrogant AA perception of non-AA recovery thought well what the hell is this what can these people teach me I've worked my steps I know and uh, and it blew me away on on the contrast of uh, the processes and disciplines of AA into uh, exploring the aspects of recovery that don't get talked about in AA the emotional side of it the um compassion for others, the understanding of uh, different emotional structures and codependency and, and just such a completely wide range of of different topics of sobriety. But the biggest and, and most insightful impact was meeting uh, gambling addicts. I had never met one before and the thoroughness and the depth of their recovery in their daily life because they have no money, they can't get credit, they can't buy what they need to do. They have to survive on a minimum amount of money each day. Uh, the banks won't deal with them. They can't get a credit card and everything about their recovery was restricted, but these guys turned up every day and made an effort. And and that really inspired me that um, you know, the 12 steps as a basis for the discipline of my recovery, but external and alternative types of recovery really opened my horizons to to why I'd become an alcoholic and how I'd developed unhealthy coping mechanisms towards emotional difficulty and you know all, all of these uh, fears and challenges that I'd, I'd experienced since the age of 15. It was, I mean, people call it a light bulb moment. I think mine was more like a, you, you know, when you go to um, a harbour and you see these strings of lights off into the distance, it was like that. It was not just a light bulb moment, it's a continuous chain of realizations, recognitions, identifications, and uh, yeah it changed it changed me completely from uh, if you don't do big book, then you're not doing recovery to wow well, there's there's a lot more to it.
0: Mm. I mean, I really just want to acknowledge your curiosity and like you know it doesn't sound like you've had an openness in the beginning, mm-hmm. but um, what I now very clearly read as openness and curiosity for growth. We can call it so many things. We can call it growth. We can call it potential. We can call it development. We can call it understanding. Um, but it, I don't know. I, it's something I greatly admire. I'm, I'm curious to ask you a little bit deeper as well, because when you understand more things about yourself, like different emotions, different habits, um, different triggers or trauma, things that you've experienced in the past, how it affects the way that you've been showing up in the world, discovering the ways in which you have a sense of ownership over those actions, those thoughts, the ways you can actually change your thoughts and affect your habits. It has a big ripple effect in your life. So I kind of like, okay, so he's changed a lot. I kind of want to hear, like, what that
1: has done for your life. Yeah, okay, that's that's a huge, a huge part of uh of the experience. So as I said, uh you know my meeting-based sobriety was uh X numbers of meetings per week. Um Zoom wasn't a thing. It, it, back in 20 where were we blimey very early 2020 there was Zoom I'd never even heard of it, let alone gone to meetings. So I went from um uh, a very external based recovery program with like-minded alcoholics people that understood me you know all, all of the fun and entertainment uh that i'd missed out of by uh isolation and seclusion in my drinking in the house uh and it, the family didn't really have an awful lot of experience of me being here uh present as such because i was always drunk and then overnight, I found recovery, and I left the house, and I wasn't here, so lockdown was, um, was a very, very big bump, Uh, my daughter was, I think 11, something like that, I can't remember, I don't know how old she is, I'm such a terrible dad, and my son was about, about 14, 15, Uh, and the height of my drinking was, was pretty rough on them, I was aggressive, not physically violent, but um, emotionally, verbally cruel to them for a long time. Yeah. yeah, a typical alcoholic with a with a fury problem, and uh, it, it, the whole the whole family was forced into um, a small environment. With uh, you know, there, there was no recreation, there was no alternative. We were just in the house, and the first couple of months of that was um, was painful. Uh, not only was I unable to drink, but I was also unable to go to meetings. and the the dynamic of of the relationship with me and my kids was was fraught because you know being a, a senior superior type of person to them, uh dictating when, how, what and and exactly how they should do stuff was was my my go-to method and uh, i say now that lockdown was probably the the biggest impact on the relationship with my two kids um a very rough rough patch at the start um some adjusting not only adjusting to me not having meetings but me adjusting to being in the house a lot more being unable to drink and uh, and listening to to them they've been through quite quite a difficult period they weren't able to go to school they weren't seeing their friends uh, and relying on me for for compassion and understanding uh, i wasn't really capable of that because i was relying on other people i was relying on aa and and all that lot so it was um a bumpy ride but <clears throat> there was a couple of a couple of circumstances where um i i lost i lost my temper uh, especially with my son and a few times with my daughter and it really started to highlight the facts that um an external program of recovery was not working. Or oh, oh, sorry, a lack of external recovery program was not working. And to go back really back to basics, to, to start um practicing the principles of the 12 steps, honestly. Here's the thing. Honestly. In a meeting, I'll tell you any story you want to hear. Uh, you know, I was 11 months over, I was I was a guru. <laughs> But in real life, uh, it wasn't working. So um, I had to get very humble. Um, there was lots of humiliation, and you know the, the path to humility is is usually after a big spoonful of humiliation. And I did that. I humiliated myself many times through arrogance, ego, frustration, all that stuff. And it was another painful rock bomb. There's no two ways about it. You know, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't using. But I hit that "Who the hell am I and what am I doing?" moment, and from there it's built. It's built up. That's my daughter ringing me. Do you want to pause the recording? the The situation. The situation with my son. Uh, we had to, we had to find a new balance. Um, not not the uh, dictator servant model that I originally thought was uh, was proper, and um, t- to use one of the principles of the of the 12 steps my sponsor just kept repeating you're powerless you're powerless you're powerless everything you do has consequences and, and the less you do the less consequences you have to face and I had to learn to swallow my pride to listen to these two children to recognize what they'd been through for 11 and 14 years consecutively to understand where they were at that time, no school, no friends, no you know, no no interaction outside the house, uh, and it really it was almost like a reset on the relationship with the both of them. Uh, and <laughs> as my sponsor <laughs> pointed out, she said, you, "You're living in a house with two teenagers, uh, virtually as a teenager yourself. You know your emotional state, uh, your reaction to life without the support and camaraderie of of your twelve step group." You know welcome to the real world, brother. and it really was that moment of yeah it 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 was a humiliating and difficult place to be but the the process of lockdown um and the routine of the family became um breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then it became um uh interacting with each other on on choosing what we would eat, how we would spend the day because I wasn't working, I couldn't do anything and uh, 18 hours a day is a long time to fill when you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything so uh understanding that 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 my reliance on uh being a big book bully and analyzing the 12 steps and understanding each word in each sentence of the big book was utterly utterly pointless if you don't use it so it's um it was yeah, it, it's something i never expected Uh, despite all of the pain and humiliation it caused me, I'm glad I did it because it it taught me that uh, the basis of recovery is 12 steps for me. Uh, But the expansion of it has been talking to other people and working with other people, lots of sponsees, lots of, uh, lots of life lessons. Yeah. And I think without lockdown and without discovering alternative paths to recovery, uh, I studied for uh, a recovery coach foundation course, did that uh worked with professionals in social care addiction addiction counseling etc cetera, etc cetera. um mm-hmm. yeah so I went from uh assuming and uh, and and demanding that everyone follow the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous to realizing that it's not the be all and end all but mm-hmm. I would not be here and I would not have my daily disciplines without it
0: mm. I really appreciate your um your humility around that you know like and your ability to see uh the beauty and the gift in all of it right in the whole journey you know kind of what you're describing is what i think of as behavioral economics the idea that as humans we have to learn how to operate in this economy um, through a couple of things that feel key to me, what I've identified, which are our our emotions, like the things that we're born with, right? Like we're born with a body that experiences and processes emotions. We aren't taught how to use them, but we're born with them. (laughs) And then um, our habits, which I believe are a culmination of like our emotions and how our thoughts um, can kind of create intensified emotions and how we without a sense of consciousness can just act out of a response to those emotions and how those actions really influence what I call our freedoms Um, our freedoms sometimes we feel like we don't have them at all but what I've grown to learn is that well maybe they aren't given to us But we sure can build and create and cultivate them. So freedoms like relationships or higher purpose, those two I heard you speak to, the relationship with your family, your ability to be present with them, to nurture them with things like compassion and um, communication and connection and higher purpose, this idea that you now have this sense of responsibility to share what you've learned to help somebody else come through something that's difficult that you yourself have come through. Um, We have time freedom. You mentioned that, right? Like if you're not always relying on something, be that alcohol, be that meetings, be that TV, whatever it is, if we're not over-relying on something or making something, um, you know, our own, our own sense of, what it is that we worship um we are we have the ability to have a sense of freedom in our time and what can we do with that how do we fill that space so what i really heard in your journey was this flourishing or blossoming of a life that now has freedoms Mm -hmm. i'm kind of curious to hear from you what do you see as possible for the future of your relationship with your family let's let's keep it to the relationship uh, freedom what is possible as you continue living your life this way in this open sense of like curiosity and growth um while you walk in your higher purpose to help other people and you know be present
1: so the biggest lesson i learned uh was perception so i perceived myself uh to be um Parents, two children that needed guidance, that needed control. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying manipulation, but every aspect of their life and their future was my responsibility. And uh, and I learned quickly that it's not. And the the relationship with them is to allow them more freedom to make their mistakes. And it's <clears throat> it's been painful and expensive to watch. Some of the things my son has got wrong <clears throat> have cost me a few quid. Um, but they going back to to the aspect of powerless 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 if i stay powerless and i stay small uh, it gives me more power in my life to to be able to react to whatever they do and whatever they experience uh, as an adult so if i'm interfering and micromanaging and and being being the um the devil's advocate in every situation it can almost drive them to do things that are slightly crazy or whatever, whatever they need to do. But if I, I have learned to step back now, uh, up to a point, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let them do anything illegal or dangerous, but, uh, you know, if, if they've chosen the path that they think they know better, then, um, let them learn the hard way. And as long as I'm there to pick the pieces up, then, you know, enrich what they learn by allowing them to learn it. Whereas before, um, you know, exposing my, my, my authoritarian experience onto them, And making them follow my ironclad rules of life. (laughs) It's because they rebel. They're kids. They have to learn the hard way. And uh, as an alcoholic, the only way I learn is the hard way. And uh, the the relationship for me now is, um, uh, are you sure? Are you really sure? Off you go then. Um, uh, Before I was was full of warnings and wisdom. And uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm a much more... Uh, relaxed person because you can't tell them you you can't teach them they need to learn and it's um, yeah it's been it's been a difficult process but it's something that that I've had to step back on I'm, I'm a parent not a child manager mm. and I can't manage their lives for them mm. and when whenever their pain so previously when they experienced pain with me it would have been me I would have been in the middle of it somewhere so there was always an element of blame or consequences whatever happened was always something to do with whatever I interfered with now it's a case of they come to me and uh you know I'm external I'm detached I'm not included in it and uh it's their own honest experience and we can talk about that so it's it's given me an it's an element of separation but it brings me closer to them at the end of it
0: yeah that's amazing I've recently heard the phrase there's no such thing as one-way liberation and what I'm hearing is as you've given yourself the freedom from having to be, it it must be challenging as a parent because you are in so many ways, like responsible for a child, but to not be like responsible for, I guess in the big picture thing, like them, you know, like to identify that they are truly their own person and they must, have a sense of authority over their own personhood Um, you know loosening that grip freeing yourself from the intent what I can imagine as a non-parent is such an intense um, responsibility has given them a sort of freedom as well and what I hear as a daughter right I'm a daughter I'm not a parent I'm a daughter but what I hear is wow, you've created a, such a safe space for them. Like the space where they can come and like process their lessons. Much where it. they can learn how to be the human that goes through the tough life stuff. Because what I've realized is my parents can't stop my life from being hard. But what I would love for them to be is a place where I could go to help me process the hard stuff in life. And it really sounds like you're you're opening up that gift to
1: your kids exactly so in in 12-step speak uh you know I I took my step three to to hand my will and my life over to the higher power that I understand uh you know, to follow to follow the will of the universe uh I believe heavily in the uh the da Ching that the path of life is is a you know a, a predetermined predestined and as long as I just keep walking and keep doing the next right thing chop wood carry water all, all of those spiritual experiences of, of not Going against the will of the universe, not inventing difficulties and, you know, not pulling the pin on my life that I'm accustomed to. You know, if I've got a small problem, I've got a drastic solution. Watch me. All of that stuff. I don't do that anymore. But, um, you know, the the fact that these two children have their own path, their own future and their own free will, and they need to learn to use that. And uh, somebody told me it's it's pretty much like um, having the pigeon in the road when you're driving. And, uh, you know, you can scream and shout and grip the steering wheel and, and tell this pigeon, what do you do? But eventually the pigeon will fly away by itself. And, you know, if I can't be the uh, the guide for my children, but, you know, I, as, as long as I don't run them over with with my will, I'm doing <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let them be the pigeon. They'll find yeah. out one way or another.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs>